everybody welcome in this is the latest episode of the 1796 sports podcast not going to be a happy episode once again um the tennessee volunteers got thoroughly dismantled by the georgia bulldogs yesterday at home um 38 to 10 was the final score not a whole lot of positives after the first drive of the game jalen wright broke away for a massive touchdown and then it was pretty much all downhill from there so no guests tonight. We'll get right into it. NBF, what'd you think? Well, I feel like the main focus of this podcast needs to be this the play calling on both sides of the ball. Uh mainly offense, but defense too. I mean, we'll talk we'll start with defense. My thing is is Carson Beck was carving us up all day when we're playing zone. Okay. Like, literally every time we'd have him on third down and Ryan, you were there, it was loud. Everyone was into it. Zone coverage, someone's wide open. Yeah. I mean, then, I mean, go ahead, Ryan. No, I want to hear what you were talking about. Carson Beck was playing seven on seven from the second he, he, Georgia got got on offense. I mean, he, he, he was allowed to do whatever he wanted to. And then we just let him do it the entire game. Please continue. Yeah, so, I mean, and we're going to get further into detail about this whole thing, but my other thing is is on offense. And, Ryan, you can say the same exact thing on offense. We're third and three. We're throwing the ball on third and three. And then yeah. and then we're thir- three and nine, and we're running the ball. What, what What is the play calling? What is the logic? I don't understand. Is it is it Joey calling the plays? Is it Josh? We're getting, like... Separate answers from people on who's calling it. We don't know. Like, it can't be. Like, if this is Josh, like, what, what happened? Like, what, what? I get you don't trust your quarterback. If that's the case, he shouldn't have been, shouldn't be playing. We've said this multiple times, but like, it's terrible. I, I kept saying, I'm like, up oh, here comes a run, and it would happen. And I'm I'm a nobody like coach fan whatever you want to say, and I could read our plays from the stands. You can't tell me Kirby Smart can't do that, you know? Um, yeah the the play calling on offense, and I've said this for a while now. Whether it's Josh or Joey, whoever it is, it's coming down to you have a quarterback. And we're going to get into this because this is really what I want to talk about, how we've stuck with Joe Milton this entire year and we scored 17 points in the last two games and two pivotal games that decide whether or not you have a good season or not. Now, if, if anybody wants to bounce off of that, please do it because I'm beyond pissed off uh, about the whole quarterback. I mean I, – I, go ahead, Bryce. Yeah, I mean I don't really know who I blame more. For that, because I mean, it's kind of hard to blame Joe because it's his last year playing, probably playing football, and he wants to play. He wants to be the starter. I mean, if somebody's going to give you the starting job, you're not going to turn it down. So I honestly blame Hypel more for getting in this situation. It's like John Reed said a few weeks ago: if you go eight and four, 
and Nico gets no valuable reps, that's a wasted season. Like, I'm not mad about eight and four. I would have been fine with eight and four at the beginning of the season. Um, but, you know, it's the way we got to eight and four that is so frustrating. We didn't even look like we belonged on the same field as Georgia. It looks like we're playing an entirely different sport. I mean, that's the thing that's frustrating about it because in this far in the Heupel's tenure, we shouldn't be – we shouldn't look that outclassed against the, t- the top of the conference. We just shouldn't. And I typic- I don't tend to think that Nico – say Nico was playing from week three. I don't think we win yesterday. I don't think the talent gap is just a quarterback problem. I think up and down the roster, I mean, Georgia has Georgia has four and five stars rotating in. We have three stars, two stars, and walk-ons rotating in. I mean, the talent gap is a real thing. It's not just the quarterback, but it's hard to not, to not look at this season and think it's a total waste and Joe Milton held us back. I mean, it's hard to not think that. Yeah, you know, I I just said it. It it makes no sense if you're not going to trust your quarterback, he shouldn't be playing. I understand Joe's a great guy. He really is. Um awesome loyal guy, stayed. I mean, this system is supposed to be a benefit to a quarterback and the I don't know. I I feel like and it makes me feel like the whole an issue but or like with him leaving but because i don't know everyone said oh well josh runs the offense well coach leaves and our offense is dog water this year so i don't know uh, i kind of want to hear your thoughts about that whole situation too well yeah i mean it's it's hard to believe that uh golesh had no input on the offense when he leaves and the offense looks totally fucking different now Granted, everybody knows the roster is not as good, and anybody who thinks it is is massive amounts of copium. But this roster, I mean, other than Jalen Wright and a couple of the linemen, Squirrel maybe, nobody else that starts on our offense would start on last year's team. I mean, it's just – it's not a good roster. It's not good enough to compete at the top of the SEC. But obviously, Golesh did matter somewhat. I mean, I don't – I do think – at first I didn't buy into that. I was like, no, people are looking into that way too much. But the offense is atrocious the year that he leaves. Uh, I think you're being nice about it. The offense – I mean, we've scored almost no points the past two games. Like, oh, it's – I mean, I consider it no points. We've gotten blown out in two games in a row. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, everybody wants to talk about Tim Banks, which Tim Banks is not a good defensive coach. But the problem is it's kind of hard to fully hold him accountable, though, because they're on the field all damn game. Like, it, they, the defense doesn't really have a chance because the offense can't get anything going. There's no consistency from the offense. The defense is tired as hell by the second quarter. Yeah, I agree, and – it it's hard for uh and, and 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 it comes to I'm not trying to even blame the players like 
to me, it's the play calling. Because Joe Milton has the talent. He really does. I'm not saying he's a Hendon Hooker, but, I mean, he's got the tangibles. He could do it. He could throw the ball far. I mean, tight spiral, all that shindig stuff. But the play calling has been atrocious. It's been such a letdown. I feel like we could have, like, even in the Florida game, like, the play calling was horrendous. And the, the play and, calling and personnel things are, are very weird. Like Samson getting no carries, like basically putting the Kentucky game away by single-handedly and then getting like four carries total since then. Yeah. I would not be shocked if Samson leaves. Yeah. I, th- I think he's gone. I mean, what's, what's the rationale? I mean, the, if you're Dylan Samson, you, I, if I was Dylan Samson, at least I leave. Like you're you're sitting behind two people and your offense is horrible and you're clearly the best guy to get to the end zone on any given play. I mean, I understand Wright took one to the house on the first play, but that hasn't been a normal year. Like, and we we, we gave Jabari Small like three series in the three series in a row in the first half, and Jalen Wright ended up having nine touches the whole game. Like, what's – I don't understand. Again, uh, Jabari Small is not very good. Like, can we stop pretending that he is? I, I, I've never understood why he even plays. Dylan Sampson is much more explosive. Jalen Wright is better all around. There's no reason Jabari Small should be in the rotation. And, I mean, that's a very small thing to nitpick, but it just goes off of what NBF was saying. Like, the play calling and personnel decisions are just weird. Like, I just don't get it. I don't. I don't get. It. There's no creativity in the offense. And nope. I. I do say, you know, I did say that the personnel is worse, which it obviously is. I don't think that's even debatable. Like this roster is not as good as last year's, but the creativity from last year is gone too. The players sucking doesn't make the creativity go away. Like everybody's been begging for D Williams on offense, some creative stuff. I mean, you got even little stuff like castles and Warren should have been more involved this year. It's just we, like, it, it's just the most cookie cutter vanilla offense. It doesn't, I guess what I'm trying to say is it cannot be fully accounted for just by having worse players. It's a completely different playbook. Yeah. And what about the tempo? The tempo hasn't been anything this year either. Like, the tempo has been extremely slow compared to what we're used to. Yeah, I mean, it's just another thing that makes no sense. It's like anything that worked last year, Heupel just said, no, we can't can't do that again. Yeah, and and going to the whole personnel thing, and I'm a military guy. I don't know about you guys, but I'm a military guy. It feels like seniority means more than winning. Yeah, which is fucking stupid because this is the same thing. I know, NVF, I know you don't care about the Titans, but this is the same thing that goes on with the Titans. It's like if you're one of Vrabel's players, you're playing whether or not you suck. It's the same thing with Heupel. Like, whether or not he likes you is is determining whether or not you play, not what's best for the team. Yeah, and like I said, Joe's a great guy. He's good buddies with Josh Heupel. I get it. but And I'm not saying Nico was – is the fix because he probably isn't because like you said, personnel's a little bit different. Jalen Hyatt's gone. Hendon Hooker's gone. You got no Darnell Wright. Like you got a bunch of pieces missing. 
and we understood. Everyone understood. Eight and four, nine and three was our was our predictions, and like our realistic predictions. And you know we're here now, and everyone's disappointed. And I, I mean, I'm I'm really not disappointed. I mean, you could end the season strong, go into Vanderbilt, and or go. You're at home, senior day, and go beat Vandy and go into a bowl game strong. But, man, there's so many things to fix this offseason. There really is. And that's that's my main my main point for all Tennessee fans is this. We are not a Nico starting away from competing with Georgia. No. Like, no. I feel like a lot of Tennessee fans think putting Nico in will solve all of our problems immediately. Uh I'm not sure. I mean, I think Nico would probably probably give us one more win this year. I mean, and I think Nico's really good, but this team sucks. I mean, this roster is not good. We overrated the hell out of it. The seniors it, are done. They've been mentally checked out for a while. Yeah, I mean, I, I just don't know. Ryan, I want to know your thoughts on this. I don't know how you look at this roster and look at what we've done against Florida, Georgia, Missouri, and Alabama. How do you look at this roster and say, oh, yeah, they just need a quarterback. That's it. Yeah, it's certainly not the only problem. Um, the Bouncing off the whole Alex Golish talk, I mean, Josh Heupel has ran good offenses without Alex Golish. I mean, he wasn't with him until 2019. I don't buy that that's the only issue. Um, and I'm not convinced that the guy who touches – one of the two people that touches the ball on every play – is not one of the issues and not trying Nico is a ridiculous thing to go, go through 11 games without at least trying. And I do not buy what Josh Heupel said last night, that it was only because they wanted to redshirt him. Do you expect me to believe that if Joe Milton went down with an injury, Gaston Moore was going to be our damn quarterback? Group? Right. And, and you're telling me Nico's going to be here for five years. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's horseshit. The real answer is, he didn't want to screw Joe. Like he wants Joe to ride off into the sunset. I mean, that's the it's answer. the same thing with Samson. Samson is a better running back than Jabari Small. No offense to Jabari, I love him. Good running back, but Dylan Samson is better. Like you said, Bryce, he's he's better. And he won the game at the end of the game, the Kentucky game. He won the game for you. Mm-hmm. And you 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 don't give him more playing time. You you actually give him less playing time, so what's the deal? Like even Georgia fans on Twitter are going, "Why isn't Samson your running back?" And yeah, so NBF, you, you had to miss the podcast with uh, Sidelines UGA, but he was even saying that he was like, "Dude, Samson would start on like twelve SEC teams." You put Samson on Georgia, he'd be a, t- a round one draft pick. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The- and he knows that, and he he, he will probably. Go somewhere because of that. I I really want to pick Josh Heupel's mind on why he stuck with Joe the whole year. I mean, he won't I, tell you the real reason. Yeah, I, I know he won't, but I, I'm just going to throw out some ideas here. Okay. Uh, did Josh Heupel promise Joe Milton that he would start the whole year if he stayed? Um, did Did Josh Heupel put himself in Joe Milton's shoes because he's a former quarterback and think I wouldn't want to be benched? In my last year of football, that's what I uh, think. Did uh, did Josh Heupel? Does he not want to admit that he was wrong for the second time about Joe Milton at, at Tennessee? And 
any one of those three reasons is not a good enough excuse to roll with him the entire year. Well, and this, and we talked about it in the basketball thing about Rick Barnes and and recruiting and stuff, right? You had, uh, and I'm not saying he would have done amazing at Tennessee, but I feel like it would have made our team a lot better. You had Sam Hartman in the portal last year. Why? Why was Tennessee not going after him? Why? I'm I'm gonna go so far as to say I think Graham Mertz might have been an improvement. Yeah, yes. I mean, I think Graham Mertz proved to be better than Joe Milton this year. Like, yeah. I, I will go as far as saying that. I mean, I look. mean, here's the thing, normal, and I know you're not like this, but a lot of fans will hear what me and Ryan are saying, and they'll take it as like, well, you, you hate Joe, or like you think Joe sucks. It has nothing to do with that. Like, you are a huge Milton fan, and even you're admitting we would have been better off with Mertz or Hartman. It's like – Nobody has anything personal against Joe Milton. It's just – it is undeniable at this point that he did not do what every single person thought he wanted to, was going to do and what everybody expected him to do. He failed to live up to expectations this season. There's no other way around it. Yeah, uh, Josh Heupel doesn't get paid $9 million to play the guy who's the nicest or the most charismatic. There you he go. Now on the head. He, he gets paid to play the guy that gives you the best chance to win. And as far as I'm concerned, you cannot convince me that we would have been worse than eight and four with Nico the entire year. No, I I, I think Bryce is right. I I, I see an, an extra win. Yeah, I feel I, mean, like, I feel like nine and three. I feel like the Florida game probably would have been closer. Yeah, I mean Ryan, we weren't even competitive in the second half of Bama against no. against Florida, who's horrible, against Missouri, against Georgia. We weren't even on the same level. That's not just as simple as, oh, well, if Nico was playing, we'd be right neck and neck. I don't think that's the case. I think Nico uh, and better coaching and Nico wins you Florida. I don't think Nico wins you the other three games, though. Yeah, the, the thing is, it's it, it goes back to the idea, like, it's not worth playing a sixth-year senior who's not going to be here next year if you're going to go eight and four. That's yeah. my whole thing. I, I I don't care if you if you win those games or not. It's just about getting him valuable reps going into a year where like nine and three or ten and two will probably get to you to a playoff next year. And now we're gonna have to be training him and having him knock the rust off next year instead of what we could have been doing this year. That, that, yeah, that, I mean, he's he's gonna be taking lumps during our first four games next year instead of, you know, the last four this year. And our schedule ain't easy. No. Absolutely not. Yeah, now, well, and and well, that's another thing. Like, th- this isn't just a Joe thing. This is a hypo thing. Like, even the games that we penciled in before the season as wins, which I'm assuming everybody penciled in Missouri and Florida, well, you can't even win those. So, I mean, it's already established we're not on the level of Bama and Georgia. But we can't even consistently beat Florida and Missouri. Right. I mean – I don't know, man. Uh, it's hard to like talk about it because we don't we don't get to know what Josh Heupel's actually thinking. I don't. We don't. We don't know what's going on in the whole coaching room and why they're calling these plays and why they're doing this and why they're doing that. So it's kind of hard to talk about because everything I feel like he's talking about in these interviews is like, oh. I wouldn't say a lie, but he's he's not telling us what's really going it's on. Coach speak bullshit. It's the right. Mike Vrabel does, 
It's the same shit. And I'll go so far as to say this. If if Nico, God forbid, enters the transfer portal, that I mean, that's coaching malpractice. I think if, you know, Joe's graduating, he can't rely on Joe next year. If Joe leaves and Nico transfers anyway because he's pissed about this year, which I, I have no inside information about that. I, I don't know that that's true. But I'm just saying, if it is, if Nico leaves and is playing somewhere else next year, it's a borderline fireable offense. I, that's 100% accurate in my eyes. You you can't leave the number one player on the bench the entire year and then have him transfer and not have people wanting your head on a spike. If Nico transfers because Hypel was afraid to hurt Joe's feelings. Yeah. It I could mean, be that, possibly the worst coaching move of all time. And let's let's say if he did go somewhere else and he balls out, oh my god. Yeah, or like god forbid he goes to like Kentucky. <laughs> Can you imagine that? Oh my god. Like I'm just saying <laughs> like you said Ryan, he he's making 9 million a year and he's scared to hurt a player's feelings. He doesn't want a player to be mad at him. Yeah. I mean, I, hopefully I would like to think – I don't think Heupel's an idiot. I, I think Heupel's a pretty smart guy, especially football-wise. Surely to God, there's some kind of assurance with Nico that he's staying at least next year no matter what. Well, I feel like I feel like him transferring is not a worry because he's the starter. Like, he is guaranteed to be the starter next year, and I just don't see him leaving. But, I mean – I mean, surely, Heupel, Ryan, surely Heupel's not that stupid. Like, surely he wouldn't know no. if Nico was pissed. Yeah, I, I if it's like you said, if, if that happens, that is just an absolute doomsday scenario that should have him on the hot seat immediately. Oh, man. I mean, and Ryan, I know you were at the game, too. Can we just talk about the crowd environment? It was terrific. I mean, we we set a decibel record and, in, on the first play. Yeah, it, it was the loudest moment at any college football game ever, and the team wasn't able to ride that to anything, which is disappointing. But you know, we literally had one play yeah. all game. Yeah, but the, I mean, the fans showed up for the most important, like the the one play that we were able to cheer for, and Dolly Parton. So that was kind of a shit show too. Yeah, because her in-ear mic broke. Not only that, is I think she thought that she was going to be singing her version of Rocky Top, yeah. and not the band's version. Yeah. And because she was singing, and then she was just like, "Oh wait," uh, and she just started talking. <laughs> just like, but but dude, it was ten to seven. Georgia's winning ten to seven. My whole section, other than you know, obviously a handful of us. We're up, yelling, trying to get everyone up. And I'm not even joking. Like, four or five rows in front of me, they were all sitting down, not not yelling, not even clapping, nothing. And I'm like, are you guys really that checked out? Like, Honestly, I think it was the, I think it was the BVS kicking in. Like, I mean, whatever people, people will say on Twitter, I, I think most, most of us expected exactly what happened to happen. And I think – you know, given Tennessee fans the benefit of the doubt, I think they were just didn't want to get too excited because inevitably we knew what was going to happen. I mean, yeah, no one expected us to win that game, 
But after that first play, I, I I'm not gonna lie. I really thought I was like, holy. And then and then you score, and then your defense holds them to a field goal, and I'm like, oh my god, okay, we got we can do something at least make this a game. But did you guys see after the game? Um, Kirby said something about, "Oh yeah, we we wanted to let go ahead and let them score early just to get it out of the way." Did y'all see this? Wait, did he actually say that? <laughs> yeah, he said something like, "We wanted to let them go ahead and get their their points and get that out of the way," and the reporter like laughed, and then Kirby like was dead serious about it, and that's like. I'm not mad at him. I mean, he's a great coach. I just think that's pretty fucking embarrassing because. I, but it, it's brilliant. I mean, he was toying. But it just goes to show you what I was saying earlier. Like, we're just not even on the same stratosphere as Georgia. And that's no, a problem. No. I mean, that's it's definitely a problem. I mean, like, Ryan, uh, say Nico had been starting since like week four. What do you think the score is yesterday? I mean, it's probably not much different, but you're at least getting him reps. Yeah. I I would want to know my I mean I, I want to know why we have walk-ons starting on the offensive line in year three. I want to know we have why we have walk-ons starting in the secondary in year three. Mm-hmm. I want to know why we didn't do anything out of the ordinary to even convince me that we're trying to win the game. I mean, they, it, what I was that? Know. Can we talk I, about that, Ryan? I'm sorry, I, I have to mention this. I, I I think I know where you're going, so just go ahead. What the fuck was up with that field goal? Yeah, yeah. That that is the most loser thing I've ever seen, and we didn't let the week prior too. Like why? Even Gary Danielson, who you know noted ball hater, even Gary Danielson on the broadcast. Like I was the only one of the three of us watching it, and he even said on the broadcast, he was like, "What are you doing? Like this is what kind of message does this send to your team?" Like he literally, Mm -hmm. he was like, "You're telling your team." that you don't care about winning. You're just trying to make it a little bit more respectable. And, and I missed for the first time. I actually agreed with Gary Danielson. Like what, what does that say to your team and to the fans that are there that spent hundreds of dollars to come to that game? Oh yeah. We're going to try to just get three points and make it look a little bit more respectable. Like, what do you have to lose? You've already lost to Florida, Alabama and Missouri. You're not going anywhere. What, why would you kick that field goal? Like, what is the point of that? I mean, it was shocking. I mean, I mean, take out any kind of talk about that's a ridiculous decision and it, how how it affects your team psyche and all that. You have a better chance of gaining eight yards than Campbell hitting a fifty-five yarder in the first place. Like, what if if you're gonna kick a field like if you're too scared to go for it, you might as well punt it because that's not gonna happen. That's stupid. Rich. Yeah, and to put that on him too, like yeah, exactly. Putting that kid in that position is retarded. Like, I'm sorry to use the R word, but it's stupid. Like, why why would you do that? It just it was just such a loser play call. It just made it made Hypo look like a total loser. And and again, and it gets to the point where we're getting to this off season talk. It's like, and and no one knows. I mean. We got to wait to see what Cooper comes back as with grades from the NFL because if he's projected as a one through third round pick, he's gone. But if he's past that, I feel like he comes back. And but like we need a complete overhaul on the offensive line. You need I honestly I'd probably dip into some receivers and you need 
a lot of defensive. Yeah. Like, and you need to be like telling them, but, but even with, with Martinez is why, why would people come to a team that's just been trash in the secondary? Well, Martinez shouldn't be there. First of all, I think honestly, bro, I'm getting worried that I think he is. I feel like I agree. I agree with you hundred percent because we've already shown that Hypo is scared to make tough decisions that might, you know, upset his friends. He might not I feel like he's too nice. He's being too nice. Same thing with the Joe thing. He's scared he's not going to get invited to Willie's, you know, 4th of July barbecue or something. It it is just embarrassing. Like, I don't know that Heupel will make the tough decision that he needs to to win in the SEC. Well, he hasn't fired anybody since he's been here. I mean, there hasn't really been a reason to yet, but he hasn't done it yet. And I I feel like you have the reason right now. Sure you do. You absolutely have a reason now. At least, Willie. I, I can understand, you know, thinking that the the way our the way Josh Hobble wants to win games, you're probably not gonna get a really, really good defensive coordinator better than Banks to come here just because the defense is probably gonna be on the field for 35, 40 minutes a game. Like who who wants to sign up for that? I can understand. I can understand keeping banks, but I would still fire him. But William Martinez should go bottom line. No, I mean it is the end of his contract. You like I'm telling you, I feel like there there would be a riot if we hop on Twitter one day and they say, "Oh, well, William Martinez is resigned." I will lose. I will blow a gasket. I mean, I think there's hopefully there was a reason that he was one of the few position coaches to not get another contract after last year. I mean, I. Gosh, I mean, (laughs) talk about it, Ryan. I know. Come on. What does it say about William Martinez that the guys that you're deciding to play who are seniors still suck? They've had four or five years to get good, and you and they're not. What does that say about the coaching? Look, I mean, you're right. You hit the nail on the head. Slaughter would would not start for any other SEC team except maybe Vanderbilt. I mean it. Our secondary is absolutely atrocious. There, n- nobody that played yesterday should be starting in the SEC. Yeah, like why aren't why isn't Ricky Gibson playing? I mean, it, it goes back to why is Hypo? Because they're seniors, Jim. They're seniors, and he doesn't. Right, play. right. I get, and that, and and it's getting to that point where I feel like you, someone's got to tell him if if he doesn't is he's obviously not figuring it out himself. But someone's got to tell him, like you got to do something, bro. Like this is ridiculous. It yeah. goes back to him fetishizing loyalty over who gives you the best chance to win, and it's not just in the quarterback position; it's all over the field. Dylan Sampson is my main one. Like yeah. Dylan Sampson is a is a is definitely my favorite player on the balls right now, and dude's a standout guy. Why do you think he did the cheetah thing? I know he had to play it off uh, with the cheetah in the cage thing, but that's that's exactly what he is. You're you're keeping a a very viable weapon off the field. And no offense to Jalen Wright, because Jalen Wright's a dog too. I mean, but Dylan Sampson should be right behind him. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's I look at it like. We do have one of the best rushing offenses in the country, no matter how they've decided to 
rotate the running backs, and we're still struggling at the quarterback position and refuse to make a move. I mean, if, if you gave Sam Hartman that, if you gave whoever, if you gave Nico that, if you even gave Gaston that, the best rushing attack in the SEC throughout the season, you can't tell me that our offense wouldn't be better. Well, it goes back to, I think it was Austin. Somebody said this yesterday, and it really rung home. It's like Joe has had six years to learn how to not throw it 100 miles an hour when the guy's five yards in front of you. Like, and it, and it goes back to, like, what, what do our coaches even do? Like, who – here's a question for you guys. Who on offense has gotten a, a lot better in the last two years? No one. I feel like they got worse. Yeah. Like, yeah. Ramel Keaton. Like, wh- what? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, I take that back. Squirrel White has is I, I like Squirrel White. I think he I think he played pretty well for what I feel like he played to expectation. Given yeah. the circumstances, yeah. I mean Squirrel White was fine. But like Ramel Keaton never developed in anything. Dante Thornton, I mean I know he got hurt but and he was playing better, but I mean, how can you look at him as not a disappointment? I mean, Castles didn't contribute much this year in the receiving end. I mean Jacob Warren is an average tight end. Like, who really has gotten better and taken strides? And don't even get started on the defense because on the defense, who fucking knows? I mean, none of nobody in the secondary has gotten better. <laughs> That's for damn sure. I will say that Jalen Wright has gotten turned into a really good player from Heupel's first year. That that's the only one that I could think of off the top of my head besides Squirrel. Yeah, well, I feel like Jalen Wright always we always knew he had that though. Yeah, uh, that's what I was about to say. I don't know how much that has to do with coaching because he transformed his body and isn't, you know, 170 pounds anymore. And he literally the only time he's ever fumbled the ball was last week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's really concerning because, you know, if you really want to be pessimistic, which I don't want to be, but last year a lot of your success came off of players that Pruitt recruited and got to Tennessee. And – I mean, besides Squirrel, who that Josh Heupel has recruited has really contributed to the team's success. Yeah, and we have a we have a lot to look for. And that's another thing to talk about. Like you go into this game, biggest recruiting weekend ever. Yeah, and you do that. That's how you show up. Yeah, and I mean, that's kind of like that's been my whole point the last couple weeks. Is like you know I can handle losing. You know, if I don't think it would hurt you one iota in recruiting if you lost 45 to 42. But when you get completely dismantled and everybody sees that Georgia's just head and shoulders better than you and everything, why would they choose you? Like, that that's – I mean, unless they know they want to start or they love the atmosphere. But, like, when you get absolutely dismantled by somebody in your conference, that is just embarrassing. I mean, it's oh, yeah. going to hurt. Like, somebody will decommit. Oh, well, I mean, it is flip season, and I understand that. I feel like a lot of our guys aren't going to flip. I think a lot of the guys see that they are going to play. And, like, Boo Carter. Boo Carter's going to play. That kid is good. He's better than all, pretty much all the guys on our team now in the, in the secondary. And, I mean, 
you got a lot of guys that could come in and play right away. Mike Matthews, Braylon Staley, they could come in and play right away. Max Anderson, Gage Ginther, you guys are you, they they have all the talent in the world coming, and they know they have a chance to play real early. Yeah, I mean. If I was Jordan Seaton watching that game yesterday, I would be like, "Oh, I can start here day one." Exactly. He he would. How how could you not put him at a tackle spot? I mean, who who, do you, who else do you got? I mean, th- th- there's going to be a litany of players that we don't even know their names yet. They're going to come and help through the transfer portal. But and this is something else I want to talk about. The talk about you not wanting to play Nico. I mean, I, I saw this all last week. When everybody, when anybody brought up Joe Milton, we don't want to play Nico because he would get killed. We gave up one sack yesterday. I yeah, mean, what's like that's a stupid reason to not play. Well, Andy's not a statue; like he moves. Yeah, I mean he has better pocket presence than Joe in the short time we've seen him against. I mean, given it's against inferior competition, but he looks like he can move better in the pocket. But you know, I, I, I would. I'm going to ask y'all a question. Real quick, give me a football reason why you would start Joe Milton next week against Vanderbilt. Other than senior night, nothing. There's no reason. Yeah, it, there's no football reason. There, the only thing is you don't you don't want to ruin the kid's senior night. That's the only reason. And and he will he he will honestly probably play the whole game. Yeah, I mean if 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 unless I we blow them out. Yeah, if if I was hypo. And I wanted to finish my streak of being too damn nice. I would give him the first series and then play Nico the rest the the rest of the Vanderbilt game and then the ball game. Because if your excuse is if, if the thing you're riding on in the press conference was what Josh Heupel said is the plan was always to redshirt him, you can play him now. Well, the, yeah, you could play him this weekend and the bowl game because it don't count. Exactly. And and he'd still be redshirt eligible. Well, Jim, yeah. the, the thing is though is like. It, it, I, there's literally no reason to play Joe because it's not like I can understand, you know, like obviously putting Joe in in the Orange Bowl last year. Like, I, I mean, obviously, who else are you going to play? Like, you want to go into next season with momentum and you want to give the guy like some momentum going into the season. But Joe Milton's not coming back. So it doesn't matter whatever like bullshit excuse Hypo would use about like we wanted to end the season on a strong note or you know whatever he will yeah, that strong note is making it known that you're going to go try and win yeah that's well, that's what you need exactly but that's that's what he'll say though like when he inevitably starts Joe is he'll be like well you know it's the kids last game and then he'll bullshit. say something about we wanted to end it on a strong note but it's, <laughs> oh, it's God. that's what you're, he's gonna you're say. hitting oh yeah no you're hitting it on the head like that that is what he's going to say Listen, he's already opened himself up to the excuse the whole year being that they wanted to redshirt him. And that excuse no longer exists now because he's only played in three games and you have one regular season game left and the bowl game. It does not matter now. So if you still want to use that excuse, you have to play him. Or it, or the obvious you know, reason that he hasn't played in all years because he didn't think that he was the best choice to win, which is another problem if that's true because he's been here for damn near a year now. Well, we already know, though, that Hypo has not typically made the best decisions with quarterbacks. I mean, he, he started Joe over Hendon. Yeah. Uh, I, I mentioned that earlier. He didn't want to be wrong for the second time about Joe or admit that he was wrong. I mean, he's definitely wrong. He didn't want to admit it. Yeah, and that's the thing is I want to, like, I don't know if this is an actual true thing, but I thought I someone told me 
that Sam Hartman was an actual like thing until the Orange Bowl. And then Joe did well. He didn't play the perfect game, but he played well against a good team. And so I don't Hypo know. I can canceled say it. This. I can say this. I don't know, you know, for sure how close it got, but I do know that um, my contact at the Vol Club told me that everybody in the Vol Club thought it was going to happen. Okay, so I think it's because I have the same like a same kind of source, and I, I'm starting to really believe it. And I think that might have been a really bad decision. Well, he probably would have gotten. I mean. Bryce, who, who, who's the quarterback that played at Oklahoma State last year and went to Ole Miss? Spencer Sanders. He probably would have gotten Spencer Sanders if, if he would have came. Dude, there. there's no way. Spencer Sanders sucks. Sam Hartman, Sam Hartman, best case scenario, could have enhanced his draft stock. I No, I mean, I think if Sam Hartman was here and you could trust your quarterback with the throws, I feel like he could have been like a Heisman contender. But I think what Ryan's saying, though, is like, he still thinks Hypo would have started Milton. Yeah. Oh, I mean, but if if Sam Hartman comes to Tennessee, does Joe not leave? I don't know. I, because I, Sam Hartman's a big, big name. Yeah. Yeah. I don't he, know. Though. Sam I mean, Hartman would be coming here to play. He would not be coming here if he knew he was going to be sitting. Exactly. And, and I think that's the reason he didn't come because he didn't trust Hypo to play him over Joe. I don't know if that's the case though. I think he, I think it was the whole Orange Bowl thing to where Hypo told him like, "Hey, it's going to be a competition," and Hartman was like, "Well, I could go play at Notre Dame." I think that's it. Yeah. I, I think that you hit the nail on the head. I think Hypo got cocky after the Orange Bowl and said, "Ah, well, we don't need to add anybody. We got our guy." I wouldn't even say that. I, I think he was honest to him and was like, "Hey, Joe played really well." Um, I, he's gonna end up. He's gonna stay. Uh, I'm not saying don't come, but it's gonna be a competition to see who gets a starting spot. And no, you got Notre Dame over there saying, "Hey, you come here, you're playing. Like you are the quarterback one." And yeah. who wouldn't go there? I mean, Notre Dame's a good program. They they could have had a good season. They about fell to what we went to. And yeah. I feel like Sam Hartman would have made this team really good, really really good. I have no doubt in my mind if he came here, we would have beaten Florida and Missouri. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, I, I mean, it, I, I said it in, after the Texas A&M game. How it feels good to be bitching about a team that's five and one. Do not let anybody tell you, whoever's listening to this, that you're being spoiled for crying about eight and four. Eight and four is unacceptable at Tennessee. But when when this season has unfolded, how it has. Please don't yeah, I mean, listen, if you're, my, my father-in-law is a big Arkansas fan. And if you, you know, compared to Mississippi State or Arkansas or Vanderbilt, yeah, we look like bitches crying about eight and four. But the difference is, is eight and four, just a bowl plus one, plus one or plus two is not good enough. No, At least it shouldn't no. be. I mean, when you have a team that has the resources Tennessee has with the backing that we have, the NIL that we have, Georgia and Bama – should be the only teams in the SEC that are above us. It should be. But instead, you have it how it is now where LSU is LSU's above us right now, unquestionably. And I think overall as a program, we're above Florida, but can you really say that when we can't beat them consistently? No. Right. No, Florida owns us at home. Like, they – like, I get it. Yeah, we beat them in Neyland, whatever. But, like, Florida owns us when we go to Florida. 
Yeah, and that's just not like what's getting better. That's the thing. Like with Hypel, it's it's kind of like what happened at UCF. And I don't don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying we should move on from Hypel. I'm just saying like what's what's better now than it was a year ago. I I mean, here's the thing though. You got to think, and I and, and I'm on Hypel's side still. I think Hypel's the coach. I I think I don't think no one with with a realistic brain should be thinking get rid of Hypel. Hypo's on year three. He's got the recruits flowing in. Okay, you got to give him a couple years. But I mean, dude, the ta- I feel like the recruiting's gotten better. You gotten that? You gotten um that little bull band like myth whole thing gone, and now you're getting these guys, Mike, Matt. Like I said, I said their names already. And yeah. I mean, the recruiting is better, and the recruiting is still probably, arguably, not where it should be. I mean, I think. We sh- Tennessee should comfortably be top eight, ideally. Yeah. Well, no, by the end of it, I mean you're you're talking if you if let's say we do pull Seton, I mean that's moving us up a big amount, and that's not only him. I mean you got a couple guys like Mikel and all these guys that you know could possibly come to Tennessee, and we we got to look at it as out of a little you know positivity of last night. Is you said it before. I mean, these guys could literally see like, hey, I could play. I like the coaches because it's all about relationships and recruiting. I mean, like if a guy comes in, like Seton comes in, and Ellerby's tell, he even said it. Did you, I, you guys seen the thing on on three? I mean, Ellerby's telling him like, you come here, I, you know, you're gonna be an NFL guy, like hands down, and. It's all about relationships with recruiting. It's not always about records and all that stuff. Yes, some guys will leave, and that's fine. But I mean, you gotta you gotta be able to pull the guys, man. And I feel like Seton is a big target now to where you need to get him. Yeah, you, you really need to close out him. I mean, but as you said, LSU's ahead of us. I I I'd say we're probably on the same level now. I mean, we we said two spots ahead of them in the rankings and recruiting, and they're losing Jane Daniels next year. So I I would say we're on the same level. I mean, it's just about closing out. I mean, you, you sit at, see, Georgia, Alabama, Florida, Texas, Oklahoma, and A&M are ahead of you in the SEC come next year. I think A&M is probably going to fall apart. I think Florida might lose a lot of players that they have committed right, right now. They just lost one. Exactly. I mean, come these next few weeks, right, right before the early early signing date, which is now turned into the real signing date, they're probably going to lose a lot of players from Florida and A&M. So I think we'll end up top 10 in recruiting probably, especially if you're able to land Seton. So, and that's highly important based on what we saw last night because, it like, Georgia was mastering space flight while we were banging around in the rocks like cavemen. So it, it, it needs – you need to finish strong in recruiting to have good momentum going in the, into Well, the- and I think you need to get something big in the, the portal as well. I mean, we need multiple starters. Yeah. Like, you can't come into – you can't come out of the offseason without multiple starters in the portal. Yeah, and you got to have and, – and you know there's guys knowing, like, okay, I can go to Tennessee and play, especially, like, big, big targets. And I'm talking – I'm not talking, like, guys that are NFL quality, like, right off the rip – but you know you there's going to be guys that want to come play here 
it's because, like Campbell from Miami, you know? Like Yeah, and he's been awesome. It's just hard to find starting offensive linemen in the portal. I mean, it's kind of like what Colorado's going through. You know, Dion tried to build a team through the portal and it doesn't work. I mean, if you're trans if you're transferring, there's a reason. So Right. It's it's hard to you know. No, I mean, you, you got a lot of Jugo talent too though. Yeah. I mean, but I'm just saying, you know, you got to like what y'all both said, you got to close out strong on the recruiting because you can't build a team just through the portal. There's yeah, chemistry I mean, issues, things like that. Yeah. The the transfer portal is there to shore up spots that you missed in recruiting. I mean, cuz nobody's going to transfer to a team where they don't know they're going to start. So I mean, and that's what we did last year. We got eight eight players that have played a ton of time this year, save for Peely, who who got hurt in the first game. So, if you finish strong in recruiting, which we we have two four star tackles committed and, and one three star tackle on the offensive line coming in, we got two five stars and Jordan Ross and Mike Matthews. You would have three if you got Seaton, which would make that a terrific class that will finish top ten. I mean, not I mean, three of those guys are going to start. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you. It, I, I don't want people to misunderstand how, how we're treating this episode. Like, we are not saying that all hope is lost. We are saying that some questions have arisen about Hypel, ma- mainly off of you know the play calling issues and the personnel decisions. But that doesn't mean that we're out on Hypel and you know cutting ourselves over eight and four. I mean, eight, eight and four is unacceptable, but. At the end of the day, it's still one of the better seasons Tennessee has had in the last 15 years. So it it's a sign of a good program that you're pissed off about it. Yeah, and I feel like we'll be able to tell a lot this weekend. This weekend's going to tell us a lot. Yeah, it's going to tell us if the players are checked out, if Hypel's lost the locker room, which, dear God, I mean, please don't. I mean, you can handle talent gaps. He can't handle when the players aren't bought in. That's and that's what's weird about it is like, I feel like once the team lost the Florida game because a lot of everybody thought we were going to win, and I mean other than Florida fans, and it, I feel like that was the the start of something bad. Yeah. Because yeah. I feel like you think about it, Tennessee wins Florida, and then we win the next three. You're six and zero. And you you could have you could have beat Bama this year, but you just came came at couldn't come out of the second half, and that that's another killer. You you had that game, and that's a killer. Like, how do you how do you recover from a game like that? Yeah, Florida has always been the swing game in the twenty first century. Well, it's just I mean, in my opinion, call it what you want. I think it's a sign of a mentally weak team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. I mean, the players said it though. They said yeah. it. I mean, if you can't, if you can't get back up after you get your teeth punched out, I mean, that's a sign. Of, that's a cultural problem, in my opinion. And yeah. hey, I don't know about you, Ryan. Though I do want to give a shout out. I know you probably never hear this, but Caleb Herring, the brother of Elijah Herring, yep. he is the probably the most motivated guy. On that bench, that dude is like lifting the crowd. Not even watching the game, he is like trying to get the crowd pumped up all game long, and I love it. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think it was any secret that the only reason, you know, the big reason we got Elijah Herring was to get him to campus. 
So I expect big things out of him. I mean, he, I, I noticed it too because I, I was like, who's this guy that's pumping up the crowd when we're still down 17 points? Oh, it's Caleb Herring. Like, yeah, oh yeah, all game. He, he, he has the right attitude. And we need guys like that. And, he, and he, I think he, he needs to be a captain next year. Oh yeah, but and that's the thing is like this is what we're talking about is like Boo Carter. He's got that dog in him. He's he's gonna like he Boo is not telling these kids like hey come here just to come here. Boo wants to win. He's not coming here just because oh, I'm from Tennessee. He's coming here to win. Yeah, <laughs> and he's and that's why he's such a good peer recruiter. Yeah, I mean you got to think like most of these kids are not used to losing. I mean. <clears throat> But if, if you're a top recruit, your high school team is probably damn good. Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, think about it. Boo has a lot of places he could have went. I mean, Michigan. Could have went to Michigan. And don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm one of the Michigan haters because I just don't. The Big Ten is kind of. I feel like Tennessee would be a Michigan status if we were in the Big Ten. Um, But. Uh, he he could have went there. He could have went to Colorado. A lot of a lot of places wanted Boo, and he chose Tennessee for a reason. And that's what I'm saying with relationships, is it's big on what coaches you get rid of because they'd be ready for some people to leave. If you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Did y'all want to hit on anything else in this episode? I'm good, man. I I got a lot off my chest that I wanted to talk about. And we got uh, the Maui Invitational tomorrow, so. Oh, it's going to be a – I'm so excited. <laughs> hey, just just so I could say this on air, Georgetown won. Let's go. Awesome. Yeah, now I just need one more team to hit. There you go. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, y'all know what to do. Let's go Vols, baby. Let's go, go Vols. Let's go. Let's go win this Invitational, baby. Hell yeah.